0: Good morning to each one of you. It's a blessing to be at Myerstown worshiping with you this morning. I certainly love our little church over there at Waterworks, um, although I do miss coming back here and seeing all of your smiling faces. And yeah, it's certainly good to be back. And uh, as, as Lester mentioned, Chloe was in the hospital last, last weekend. For appendicitis, and Wednesday she, she came home. So last weekend was a little challenging for us, but uh, yeah, she's doing much better, and it seems like every day she's improving, and yeah, things are going well. So we're thankful for that, and thank you all for your prayers um, for her. <clears throat> I am going to start out this morning by reading a story, so listen up. On December 5th, 1914, Ernest Shackleton along with 27 crew members set sail from the tiny whaling village of Great Viken on South Georgia Island, which is an island off the eastern tip of South America. The expedition hoped to make the first crossing of the Antarctic continent. The men spent nearly two years trekking across ice floes and struggling to stay alive. Miraculously, every man survived. But soon after leaving Great Viking in December, their ship, called the Endurance, entered the Antarctic Ice Pack and crossed the Antarctic Antarctic Circle. On January 18th, Endurance encountered gale-force winds and ice closing in. Forced to take refuge behind a large iceberg, Endurance soon became stuck in ice. Unable to navigate, she drifted for ten months. Winter turned to spring, followed by summer, still encased in ice. Pressure mounted on Endurance. Her hull creaked and groaned, and by September, her beams buckled. Unable to resist the pressure any longer, the sides of the ship opened up. Almost a year later, on November 21st, the crew watched as Endurance sank. Relying on a series of camps, the men began a slow march toward open water as they dragged their lifeboats for across the ice for miles and miles. After five more long months, they spotted land. Elephant Island appeared on the horizon. The men boarded lifeboats and reached the island after a horrendous seven-day journey. In a last-ditch attempt at rescue, Shackleton and five others set sail for South Georgia Island. They rowed and sailed 800 miles over two weeks in rough seas, bailing out water during the journey. Miraculously, they made it. All attention then turned to the rescue of the men still back on Elephant Island. After three failed attempts, Shackleton's fourth try was a success. On August 30th, 1916, 634 days after leaving South Georgia, the remaining crew of the Endurance was rescued from Elephant Island. And this is a story that I heard about recently, and you can see pictures of this, actual photograph pictures um, of this ship back a little over 100 years ago. And about four months ago here on March 5th, the this, this ship was, was discovered. It was found two miles down on the ocean floor, approximately four miles from where it, from where it had sank. And just to think of this story, um, part of the story, in part of this story here, they were rowing 800 miles over two weeks span in little lifeboats and through the seas, through the, the um extreme cold temperatures and something like this you could never catch me doing trying to in an expedition in the antarctic i mean i'll take 97 degrees today any day over this but these men they're they're um had tremendous endurance and to to think that they did not give up and i want to bring attention to the name of the ship here called the endurance this ship was built as one of the strongest ships of the day. It was designed in a way that um, to break the ice, going through into the ice um, in the Antarctic, being able to push through the ice. And although this ship, the Endurance, never, never made it back, the story of, of these men enduring um, tremendous. Uh, you can't imagine what they all went through to, get, um, to do this expedition but the word endurance means the mental or a definition that I found, the mental and physical stamina measured by the ability to withstand pain, fatigue, stress, and hardships without murmuring. That's a definition of endurance. And I just, I don't like pain and stress and hardships and all that. But to be able to endure that without murmuring and when I, th- when I was thinking of this, I was thinking of our daughter Chloe in the hospital last weekend. And I, don't, I didn't see complaining. I was, she was pretty, she um, took it, endured it pretty well. I mean, I can see she was ready to get out of the hospital after that, that long. But I did not hear a lot of complaining. And so, just to bring that to attention, I'm sure did much better than I would have, would have done. But anyway, as we think of endurance... You can all think of a time when it, when you, in your life, when it, it required tremendous endurance, whether it was um, biking or on a race, you uh, ran a race or you climbed a mountain. Um, I can think of a time back in school in phys ed class, and phys ed class uh, it, for soccer was one of our courses that we took. We were requir- required to run around the soccer field. And it, I think there was times where we had to run a, quite a few times around the soccer field, and it was it was a race to see who could get ahead. And I just remember there was one guy by the, yeah, by the name of Wes Gingrich. I don't know if you know; you just, a lot of you probably know him. He was a runner. He was always out ahead, and I was always trying to meet up to him. He's got long legs, and he could just run. And I put I just tried as hard as I could, and hardly ever was I able to catch up to him. But Anyway, that that's, uh, requires tremendous endurance to be able to, um, certain things in, in life that we do, uh, climbing mountains, I have a tendency to try to try to push it as hard as I can and that, you know what it's like to, to be out of breath and just tremendous endurance. <clears throat> and endurance <clears throat> is physical, require, physically requires endurance in this life. But what about the Christian life? Does the Christian life require endurance? Think about that for a little. Does the Christian life require endurance? Let's see what the Bible says. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter two. <clears throat> Jim is starting a series um, at Waterworks um, in Timothy, starting in First Timothy, and. Looking forward to that. So we're, we're going to look here in Second uh, Timothy chapter 2. It's requirements of a soldier. And the heading in my Bible says, good soldiers are not afraid to suffer. So let's read, read that. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men. Who shall be able to teach others also? Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give the understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ, of the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sakes, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. So the title of the message this morning is Endurance as a Soldier of Jesus. And I want to bring attention to verse 3. Verse 3, I read over that and read over it and over it and over it again again and again. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And to think about what is that saying here to us this morning? Enduring hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. What does it mean? Does it mean to suffer trouble? Does it mean to suffer persecution? Endure afflictions? But Paul here compares endurance to a soldier. So he compares endurance enduring hardness to that of a soldier and I believe there's no other term that fits that better than a soldier if you think about what a soldier um in the, in the military goes through as he prepares for that and um and, and and goes into to combat next to an Olympic trainer I don't know what else is better uh, to compare it to and as we think about a soldier um Many times, a soldier, soldiers are required to go through boot camp, or at least some soldiers go through boot camp. And I don't know much about it, but um, from what I read about it, I do know it's a very intense, um, a place of intense training that they need to go through. And many times, um, drill instructors um, put them through a, a, a lot of hardship to be able to, to be able to go through to train and to test them what they want to do is they want to test them and they want to prove them to see if they are if they can really be a soldier um what it takes to go into combat and many times what they want to do i've heard it said that what they want to do is they want to turn a civilian into a soldier they want to turn a civilian into a soldier and that's a process and many times that can be challenging um I've read on a little bit about it and I've read somewhere where what they will do is they will bring a soldier and somebody that comes off the streets or whatever and is training. They will bring him into a room and they will require that person to eliminate anything on them that is going to be a distraction, whether it's whatever they are um, involved in, if it's if they have drugs or Alcohol, whatever it is that they're that, that is distracting them, they will be told to eliminate into a trash can everything on them, that is gonna be a distraction. And they are told to voluntarily dispose of, of of that. So they are ready to go. So what they can do then is they can focus entirely on, on one thing, and that is to fight and to defend. And and their goal is to turn them into a soldier. And I'm told that almost 8% of soldiers do not make it through. They can't endure to, through the, the uh, training process. And so I have with me here five reasons that comes from a sergeant, five reasons why a soldier um, does not make it, does not make it through. They can't make it through. And, I, and just to be clear, I'm not recommending anything here with boot camp or anything. i um, just using this, not recommending anything militarily just using this as an illustration and so comparing this i want to compare a little bit some of these here i was looking over these and i thought you know what they they um fit pretty well with our um being a soldier for jesus christ and so the first one we have here is lack the uh, the, a reason a soldier fails is a lack of physical preparation they are not prepared That person may be a muscular person, may be somebody who trains, um, uh, lifts benches, weights, and trains every day, but he's not physically prepared. It requires so many different um, muscle groups that are not, he's not using every day and he's just not physically prepared. Secondly, a lack of personal drive. So they are told to write down the number reason, number one reason why they um, joined, whether it's the love of country, um, whatever it is, and the one reason why, and to write that down and just keep that as a morale booster. Thirdly, they are easily intimidated. And as we, many times, the um, instructors will, what they will do is they will go up to their face and just scream at them at the top of their lungs to try to get them to... Um, to try to drive, to get them to submit. And what they, what they want to do is to break them into an intimidating fighting force. So what they don't want is a bunch of weak, fearful soldiers. They want soldiers who are brave and, and, and with courage to, to go out, easily intimidated. Fourthly, lack of knowledge. There's many things that they need to know, whether it's marching orders, um, and many times they have trouble absorbing all of this information in, in, in a short time. And fifthly, the number one reason is a lack of mental preparation. They need to be ready at a moment's notice, whether it's in the middle of the night, at 5 a.m. in the morning, whenever it is. They need to be ready to go, to get out and do marching orders or um, at any time of the day they need to be ready. And so there's a lack of mental preparation. And so in this verse here, verse 3, as it says, a soldier of Jesus Christ. You know, today, we as God's people, we don't go to war. Jesus, Jesus teaches peace. And so we don't, we don't go to war. Um, but, you know, we, are, we as God's people are fighting a different battle. We're not fighting. Um, we're not going to war and fighting against other men. We're fighting a different battle today. And it's a spiritual one. And as I look here at this first, first couple of verses here, verse, verse 2, it says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men. So in other words, take what you have learned, what you have learned from others around you and from what you have learned from the word of God. Take it and go and teach, to te- and teach others also. And make it like a cycle, like a, a complete cycle. You teaching them... And they will, in turn, go and, and and teach others as well. And I was thinking about, as I was thinking about this, you know, being um, a soldier for Jesus Christ, um, Tony mentioned it in our, in our Sunday school class up here at the men's class. You know, we are in a battle. And I don't know what your thoughts are, um, if you feel like you're in a battlefield, but I feel like, We are in a battlefield. There is spiritual forces that are against us. And the enemy, he's going to do everything he can to take us down. And I believe as long as we are breathing, as long as we have life and we're following Jesus, the enemy is going to be against us until the day we die. And so as soldiers, you know, he has a bullseye on our back. And he will continue um, to do everything he can. And it's not just, you know, I used to, I used to think, well, the preachers, they don't have to, you know, they don't struggle with that or they have it all together. It's not, it's, it's a, it's a battle between the spirit and the flesh. Preachers will admit they have that battle too. And it's, it's real. And so we need to daily dig into God's word and be prepared, be prepared for the battle. And I think we should feel like there's a battlefield. I think we should, we should be sensing that, that we are on a battlefield. And we should feel that um, if we have the spirit living within us, there's a battle between the spirit and the flesh. And, and so as I was thinking about these five, re- these five reasons why a soldier uh, will fail, uh, I thought it, it goes, goes pretty well um, for us today thinking about the, the first one is lack of physical preparation or not counting the cost, I would, I would add to that. Does being a soldier of Jesus take a toll on us physically, at times? <clears throat> how often have you said, "I just simply don't have the strength. I just feel like, you know, the battle is tough and everybody's against me." And um, have you ever felt that way—that you just you just get weary of the battle? But how do we prepare for battle? Do we plan? Uh, do we uh, get rejuvenated? A soldier needs to. Be rejuvenated and to prepare, we need to have a plan ahead for the battle, because um, the battle will, will be at a moment's notice, and um, we can't, you know, be at the point where we're looking around. Okay, do I have all everything I need? Where's my sword? Where's my helmet of salvation or my belt of truth? Or where's, you know, am I ready? Am I prepared? No, we need to be ready ahead of time. We need to be planning for that ahead of time. And as we think of physically preparing for something, whether it's a race or a marathon, we will prepare for that and and, and train ahead of time for that because we will simply not win if we are not prepared. Same way it goes with a lot of sports, hockey for one of them. We need to um, be preparing. You can't just go onto you know a pond or whatever it is and play hockey and really skate really hard and expect to not get tired and. Weary to the point where you can't go anymore. Preparing for that is is uh, incredibly important. <clears throat> and so the Christian life this morning requires endurance. And is a Christian life easy this morning? In some ways, yes, it is. But in, you know, if the Christian life was easy, everybody would be would be a Christian, right? If it was if it was that easy. And as I was thinking about. This morning, um, the Christian life is obviously has so many rewards. It's so necessary. It's so important and rewarding. Um, And yet, does it promise an easy road? And this morning, so I was thinking about um, you know, the evangelical cry in our world today is come to Jesus, accept Him, say a prayer, and then you can go on and you can live your life. Live the American dream in luxury, and there's not really a cost to it. You know, you just you just uh, you're you're good to go. Your sins are under the blood, and yes, they are. If you're a Christian, you're following the Lord, and, and your your sins are under the blood. But what about enduring hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ? And what about what the Bible says about the cost of discipleship and what it means to um, to follow Him and you know, as, as many soldiers have turned aside, they can't, they can't, file, they, they can't um, endure what um, th- their training requires. Many Christians today have turned aside as well. They have not counted the cost of, of what it means. The cost, it takes commitment and it takes sacrifice. And that is so, so true. Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ. That's a quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And I don't think we're going to take the time this morning to go to Luke chapter 14, but it talks about um, when Jesus says to forsake everything, to forsake family, and um, to um, count. And when they went to build the tower, um, they counted the cost. And the, the, the king that went to war, um, counting the cost, whether he has enough of men to be able to... Uh, go ahead and defeat the double amount of men that were coming against them to battle. And <clears throat> I was thinking about that, you know, the, um, thinking of counting the cost. There's uh, so much, um, for, in my field of work, we do qu- different, uh, quite a bit of bidding for jobs. And, and that's because when you're building a project, you need to know what it's gonna cost, especially if it's a major project. You, they want, people wanna know what they're getting in for, what, whether they have enough of sufficient funds to cover the project, and that's why we do so much um, bidding for a, a project like that. And thinking of um, today, um, counting the cost of warfare, and the modern-day scenario, what I can think of is, is two, a major power coming up against another nation and um, trying to defeat that nation and probably not counting the cost um, of what it would mean and the, the uh, uh, effects that it would have on much of, of the area and the world. <clears throat> and in verse 33 there, it says, All that he hath, he cannot be my mighty cycle, to forsake all that he hath. And, you know, is there anything that is between you and me, whether it's money, possessions, a good name, Anything. That is between us and God. So as we looked at that, the first one there, lack of physical preparation. Um, The second one is lack of personal drive. You know, how often do we need to be rejuvenated, recharged as soldiers of Jesus Christ? Matthew 11, verse 28 um, to 30, says come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that's maybe not the exact words of the whole um, section of verses there, but that's like a breath of fresh air to Christians. You know, you might think, is is that being a contradiction? Because what about enduring hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ? Now he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And you know, but to think of what to, to think of him, of Jesus Christ coming that we can come to him in our, in our afflictions and in our um, troubles, that we can come to him and rest and that 's just like a, a breath of fresh air to, um, to me and hopefully to you this morning that when times get tough and uh, we can come and rest and this past spring, I was um, watching uh, some geese and some ducks down in our pond and I would occasionally, I, I, I'll stop and look at them I watch them a little bit, and I was just watching the geese and the ducks just floating around in the pond. And to me, that was a picture of rest. That was after hunting season was over. They really did not have anything to worry about. Um, they were floating on the water away from other predators and stuff, and they were just peacefully resting. And that was, um, that's just good to see. I love watching creation and um, just to see um, a picture of of God's creation resting, and, and I think that it, I think we need to do that as well. In this battle, we're in a battle, and there's times where we need to rejuvenate and we need to rest, and that's um, important. It really is. And so, as we think of lacking lack, lack of personal drive, you know, as a soldier loses his vision of why he's why he's in the battle, many times we need to come back to the drawing board and say. What is my vision? What am I doing? Why am I here? And uh, what does God want me to do? What is my focus? And when we lose our focus, when we lose our vision and our drive for why we are here and what and what we are doing, we needed to look to Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith, as it says in Hebrews chapter twelve. Wherefore. We are come past about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight in the sin which does so easily beset us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And that puts enduring hardness into perspective. When I think of Jesus Christ coming down to this earth when he didn't have to, when he, he willingly came down for us, and endured so much he was rejected um, by his friends, deserted by his friends, and he took all that for us. And to think of what he has done for us, now he's in heaven resting, resting. <clears throat> Thirdly, easily intimidated. As a soldier of Jesus Christ, are we easily intimidated? We aren't, aren't we, at times? In fact, I have a tendency to be. Tendency to be intimidated sometimes, and we see intimidation. We see that in so many different areas of our lives, Uh, or I should say, in sports is one. Um, And I played softball. I don't play much anymore. I know. I remember in softball, there was some teams that when you would go to the, you would get there to that that night to play a game of softball, you knew you were going to lose. You just you just expected it. You expected you you, you expected to lose, and that's obviously obviously not the right attitude to have when you want to to win. But that's 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 called intimidation, and that you know it's it's it happens to think where you just you just feel like you're you're there's somebody there's other people that are that are, are better than you. And in 1970 in the 1970s, Jack Lambert was a perfect example of a scary guy. Lambert was a middle linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers and was known as much for his aggressive tackling as he was for his missing front teeth. So he would get into the minds of the quarterbacks, and this guy was an aggressive tackler, and he had missing front teeth. And that was just the quarterbacks had him marked because he was just a, a guy that was intimidating to them. And just to think of, of that... Um, do we let people scare us? Do we let um, people scare us at times and um, cause us to fear? Or maybe we, we worry about what people are, are thinking of us. Um, it's called intimidation. Isaiah fifty nine nineteen says, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Which means to causatively Chase away, put to flight. So that's what the Spirit of the Lord um, does. You know, we have no need to be intimidated today. Um, We are more than conquerors. And I don't think we're going to take the time, but there's a couple of Bible verses or Bible characters that I want to mention this morning that were not intimidated. The first one was Moses. If we think of what Moses endured, however many people it was um, that he was leading through the wilderness, that was a tremendous task that he uh, accomplished. And he wasn't intimidated. He didn't let it. I'm sure there was times where he was discouraged and, and, uh, and, and, and uh, yeah, upset about it. But thinking of Moses um, and David, David was another Bible character that stands out. To think what he went up against with Goliath. Esther, another one. Daniel. Those four Bible characters, they did not let fear and intimidation distract them from what God uh, was asking for them. And we can do a whole sermon on them, but we're going to move on. Um, but look how much different it would be without those four characters in the Bible for us to study. Um, so much we can learn from them. So we looked at easily intimidated. Fourthly is a lack of knowledge. Um, I don't know about you, but the more I know, the more I discover about Jesus, the more I want to serve him. The more he means, the more you discover about Jesus, um, the more you want to um, serve him. As we're looking at this, 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 uh, these verses, enduring hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, it certainly helps to have God's word in our hearts. Um, So at a moment's notice, we have God's word to um, defend against the attacks of Satan, having it at the tip of our tongue, tip of our tongue. And I'm sure we're never we never feel like where we are where we want to be um, in in knowing God's word, but just to continue to understand, to read and study it. <clears throat> and so, moving on in first Tim, in Second Timothy two, there it's uh, talking about in verse four, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. And you know, a soldier a soldier needs to be dedicated completely to his job and i was reading up on some instances um, that it's hard for a soldier to get another job he has to be um, dedicated and completely um, for that and it's saying here no to be a good soldier no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life so to be a good soldier we cannot be tangled up with the pleasures of Um, and the enticements of this world. And whatever that looks like to you, I'll let you be the judge, but we cannot be entangled with the affairs and the pleasures of this world. In conclusion, I want to look here at verse 10. It says, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sakes, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So we think of Paul What Paul endured in 2 Corinthians um, chapter 11, it talks about what Paul endured and what he went through. I would say he probably had one of the most enduring lives um, in in the Bible. And what he endured, why did he endure all this? He he went through so much. And he was the the pillar. He he did so much. and, And yet, I'm sure many people around thought he's crazy. Why would he go through all that? And why would he endure that, all that hardness as a good soldier? Um, but he says he does it for the sake of the gospel. <clears throat> and I believe um, only heaven will show us the full benefits of the labors that we, um, that we put forth on this earth. As, uh, as enduring hardships, hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> In 2 Corinthians chapter eleven, verse thirty, um, Paul talks about if he must if he must needs glory, he will glory in his infirmities, and it it's, it speaks of the infirmities, disease, sickness, and weakness, whatever he's experiencing. He says he will glory in that, and it, it's so hard to say that in the midst of pain. It's easy to say that to glory, but but when you're in the midst of it, you know you think, how can he? say this how can he glory in in that none of us likes that um but in verse one i want to look at verse one it says thou therefore my son be strong in the grace that is in christ jesus the grace be strong in the grace and it says you know grace is undeserved favor it's something that we are given by by god undeservingly and so we are to rest in that and confide in that that um it's only because of, of what Jesus Christ, what he has done and the grace that he has extended to us that we can be a good soldier and we can endure, uh, endure these afflictions that, that we experience sometimes on this earth. So we cannot let the enemy distract us. We cannot let the enemy distract us. Um, The word demoralization, if you ever heard of that or not, I don't know much about it until I um, uh, discovered it here. It's a process or an objective by the enemy to encourage defeat and to cause to surrender rather than defeating them. So by destroying morale or whatever it is, the enemy will try to bring you down without actually um, putting up a fight. And I have, in closing here, a story that I want to read. Um, I thought it was really good. I'll go through it here, and then I'll close. Let's not allow the enemy to distract us. Satan called a worldwide convention. In his opening address to his evil angels, he said, We can't keep Christians from going to church. We can't keep Christian believers from reading their Bibles and knowing the truth. We can't even keep a Christian from conservative values. But we can do something else. We can keep them from forming an intimate, abiding relationship experience in Christ. If they gain that connection with Jesus, our power over them is broken. So let them go to church. Let them have their conservative lifestyles. But steal their time so they can't gain that experience in Jesus Christ. This is what I want you to do, angels. Distract every Christian from gaining hold on their Savior and maintaining that vital connection throughout their day. How shall we do this, shouted his angels. Keep Christians busy in the, non-essentials, in the non-essentials of life and invent numbered schemes to occupy their minds, he answered. Tempt them, tempt them to spend, 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 then borrow, borrow, borrow. Convince Christian wives to go to work for long hours and the husbands to work six or s- seven days a week, 10 to 12 hours a day so they can afford their lifestyles. Keep them from spending time with their children. As their family fragments, soon their homes will offer no escape from the pressures of work. Overstimulate their minds so that they cannot hear that still small voice. Entice them to play on their phones, listen to the radio or digital media whenever they drive to keep the CDs and PCs going constantly in their homes. And see to it that every store and restaurant in the world plays non biblical music constantly. This will jam their minds and break that union with Christ. Fill their coffee tables with magazines and newspapers. Pound their minds with news 24 hours a day. Invade their driving moments with billboards. Flood their mailboxes with junk mail, sweepstakes, mail order catalogs, and every kind of newsletter and promotional offering, free products, services, and false hopes. Even in their recreation, let them be excessive. Have Christians return from their recreation exhausted, disquieted, and unprepared for the coming week. Don't let them go out in nature to reflect on God's wonders. Send them to amusement parks, sporting events, concerts, and movies instead. And when they meet for inspirational spiritual fellowship, involve them in gossip and small talk so that they leave with troubled consciences and unsettled emotion. Let them be involved in soul winning, but crowd their lives with so many good causes they have no time to seek power from Christ. Soon they will be working on their own strength, sacrificing their health and family unity for the good of the cause. It was quite a convention in the end, and the evil angels went eagerly to their assignments, causing Christians everywhere to get busy, 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 and rush here and there. Has the devil been successful at his schemes? You be the judge. And just a story that I, it stuck out to me. Uh, one thing that stuck out to me in this story is, is, is mentions overstimulate their minds so they cannot hear that still, small voice. And as we think of young minds today... Overstimulate their minds I, I, uh, I worry about that sometimes and even as even as adults you know we need to be allowing god 's word to um, fill our minds so we can listen and, and sometimes to get rid of the push away some of the influences the media whatever it is so we can listen to god 's still small voice <clears throat> So thank you for coming this morning, and I pray that God will richly bless you. Um, Stay cool today. It's going to be warm. So continue um, to serve him as you prepare uh, for the week ahead and what the enemy has for us. I know God is greater, and God is stronger, and we can defeat the enemy Um, if we stay connected to the vine and we stay connected to him. Um, praise god that he gives us that the power to do that let's all bow our heads for a word of prayer father in heaven we come before you this morning and we just want to praise you and thank you lord for being there for us for being our god lord we know that there is an enemy against us we know that we are in a battle on this earth lord help us to um press on to um Keep you um, in our hearts and in our minds throughout the day, Lord, so we can um, defeat the enemy and we can um, be, um, do and, and be who you want us to be, Lord. I pray, Lord, that as we go throughout this week, that you would richly guide and direct us, Lord, and help us to be sensitive to the needs around us and just to serve you faithfully. Just lead us and guide us and direct us, Lord, as we go from here. In your name I pray, amen.